Hello and welcome to Instant Transmission, a podcast where we discuss everything Dragon Ball and literally anything but our Patreon page. Droids even more dastardly than the originals have appeared. And with Goku down and out with a deadly heart condition, things look quite grim for our heroes as they look for ways to rally the troops and get back into the fight. Will Goku recover in time to help? Will somebody not named Goku be able to do anything? Will Trunks ever be correct about his Android predictions? Find out on tonight's episode of Instant Transmission as we dive into our Cell Saga coverage, part one. I'm your host, Dayton, and once again, I'm joined by my co-host, Todd. Hi! And tonight we'll be covering Kai's episodes 68 through 77 as we get the Cell Saga kicked off. After the defeat of Android 19 and Dr. Jero, Jero flees back to his lab in a panic and activates Android 17 and Android 18. These androids betray Dr. Jero, killing him and defeating our heroes, then rampaging through humanity on their quest to kill Goku. Things take an even more mysterious turn when a second time machine is discovered and entire cities start mysteriously vanishing. And with all that covered, was there anything you wanted to add before we got things started, Todd? That the Patreon page is ITDB podcast. Uh, that's Instant Transmission, Dragon Ball Podcast, ITDB Podcast. Oh, and we have a Twitter too, right? Yeah, yeah, when we remember to use it, we got that too. Oh, it's called like an X or something right now. We have an X Twitter. X Twitter. It's, <laughs> yeah. And so with the plugs out of the way, this brings us into episode 68. And so the monster makes its move. Take off. It's the Super Namekian. And episode 68 begins with Goku arriving at his top secret location to recover without the threat of the androids it's um yeah it's kami house isn't it i mean it's not like that would be the second place they would look for them <laughs> i mean i hate to make the joke again but after watching it through again it's like yeah yeah i think i think i let it slide a little bit more when i was like 11 but as a full adult mm, come on <laughs> i mean I want to say, like, you know, the, the island is is far off. But they're, the androids are so fucking strong. They can fly. You know, they could probably circle the planet in, like, 30 minutes. I don't know. Yeah, like, distances don't really mean anything anymore. So, I mean, especially when you're talking about the same planet. Yeah, so it's a little bit ridiculous. Um, we do kind of cut over to our continued investigation of the this this time machine uh and so trunks balma and gohan they basically uh, collect this broken down time machine uh and then they end up finding something else interesting not just this shell that was inside the time machine but what looks like a giant insect carapace like it had shed its skin yeah and this i mean all this stuff seems very disjointed from everything else that's happening, right? We've got androids running amok. We've got a crazy, you know, ex-doctor from the old Red School, or I'm sorry, the, the Red Ribbon Army. And now we've got this weird new time machine and an alien bug shell. Like, it almost feels like there's two storylines happening at once right now. I actually kind of like the way they're, they're writing this. It definitely does. I mean, some of that can be attributed to the fact that 
when Akira Toriyama was writing the manga, his editors kept telling him like, oh, we don't like these bad guys. We need you to make a new one, uh, which happened with the first set of androids, 19 and 20. So he made 17 and 18. And then the editors were still like, nah, we don't like these guys either. So we need you to make another one. So then he had to find a way to shoehorn sell in here. But honestly, Can you believe the type of person who would tell Toriyama, like, you're doing this wrong. Do it differently. Like, that's mind blowing to me. Yeah, and it it's funny to me because, like you said, it, it feels like this is not connected to the main story, but Toriyama did such a good job, given the fact that he had these editors telling him to, like, no, do it differently, of integrating this completely different storyline into the narrative. And I will say, like, I'm going to stay consistent. I generally just don't like time travel as a thing, as a, as a plot telling device, but... You know, he's kind of doing a decent job of it here because, uh, spoiler alert, this egg thing is in a time machine. There's more time travel shenanigans happening. It's tricky, man. There's more stuff about the time travel that I want to talk about. But the more that you dig into it and try to think about it, the more my freaking head hurts. <laughs> um. So, yeah, we've got the alien thing. We've got the time machine. Uh, they basically end up dipping out. Uh, they... They take the time machine and they're kind of trying to figure out like, okay, what's going on with this? Um, and then we we do get a little bit of a look into the androids who are they're going clothes shopping. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Also, I need to double check. Um, we also on the last episode discovered that this time machine is literally Trunks's time machine, but not Trunks's yeah. time machine. I had to make sure. I wanted to make sure we didn't do any spoilers or anything beforehand, but um, yeah. So while that's going on, the androids are clothes shopping, which I mean, if we hearken back to original Dragon Ball, there's literally an episode where Goku has to go clothes shopping, right? Because his clothes get ruined. So that's not out of place for Dragon Ball to do this, historically speaking. So we're going to go clothes shopping, except, you know, they're the bad guys. So they put on the clothes and then leave without paying. Oh, yeah, I I'm absolutely not bothered by this at all. In fact, I think it's hilarious. Like this is this is very much Toriyama humor where we have the big bad guys like the guys who beat up all of our heroes and could have potentially killed them. And they're just going joyriding and clothes shopping right now. <laughs> and I mean, it's it's humor that's in character. And this is actually the kind of humor that that I enjoy, whether it lands or not. I like this style of humor because they're, this is something you could see these characters doing. It's building up their personalities. We're seeing that these androids are, they're not monsters. They're just really immature. Yeah, they're, they're immature. And I think this ties into the fact that in a lot of ways, Dr. Giro took away their freedom. I mean, mm -hmm. he was controlling them with a remote control that he could deactivate them at will. And so this is them just exercising their freedom and doing whatever the hell they want. So, yeah, it's fun. And while all this fun is happening, um, we cut to Kame House where everyone's kind of watching news reports. And um, there's stuff about myst people mysteriously disappearing um, with the entirety of Gingertown going missing. And Balma kind of like hears it while she's listening to the report and she thinks eh, that's actually pretty close to where we found that time machine, but I'm sure it has nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Uh, we're going to find out that that may not be the case. 
Um, we end up transitioning from there over to the lookout where we get to see Kami is now so afraid of what's going on. He's basically like, I'm not even going to explain it to you, Piccolo. We're just going to merge and you'll get all of the knowledge that I have. Yeah, it's I mean, it's nuts because Kame before was very hesitant. He didn't want to do it unless it was like a last resort, which makes sense. You're kind of sacrificing yourself, right? It's it's kind of a big ask. You're not doing it unless the situation is extremely dire. And Kame has this look of just complete horror while he's looking over the edge of the lookout. It's something that's so overwhelming for him that it it makes that decision for him. And I do like that he said, I'm not going to bother explaining. We're just going to fuse and you're going to find out. Um, and here we get the Namekian fusion cycle. We actually get some rules about how fusion works here. And I thought this was really interesting. Um, I don't think that this was explained in the original. I think this is definitely um, new with Kai, where they go through the rules of some of this stuff. But I'm not sure. I'm trying to remember the specifics of what you're talking about, um, because like, well, I, I know you're saying in Dragon Ball Z before Kai, they didn't explain it, but we've gotten to see Piccolo fuse with Nail, which I don't think they gave much in the way of rules there. They they basically said it was a forbidden technique, if I remember right. Um, so I have three observations. Um, one is that the Namekians, when they fuse, they can actually choose who gets to be the primary personality and stay. Um, and so they can kind of decide who's going to have the body that remains and who's going to more or less disappear. Um, and I guess if you have the, the primary personality is the, the foundation is what he calls it. Um, you determine this by whose hand is reaching out and establishing contact. So if you're reaching out, you're allowing them to be the foundation and you're building yourself on that. And this seems to be in line with the way that they did Nails Fusion. Yeah, you're right. I, I forgot about that detail, but I do like that that is consistent with the way that the fusion with Nail was performed because each time Piccolo was the one placing his hand on the other individual and basically taking them into himself. Mm -hmm. So I, I do like that it's consistent and I like that Kame, this is the first time you kind of hear it explained somewhat as to how it works and the fact that there's an actual little bit of a ritual to it. It's not just, I don't know, crazy superpowers or something. It's like, no, this is in our our blood. This is in our culture. This is there's an actual process to this. I don't know. It's kind of cool. Yeah, uh, it's definitely it's better. Kind of, it's also kind of an emotional moment because Mr. Popo actually weeps at, at this moment as one of his lifelong friends at this point is now gone as blinding light overtakes the lookout. And we see Piccolo kind of remains after the splitting light pulsating with new power. And as Piccolo goes to leave, we see Popo asks if Kame is still somehow there and that he wishes him farewell. And Piccolo kind of like looks back and says something a little strange. He says, I'm neither Kame nor Piccolo now. I'm only a Namekian who has long since forgotten his true name. And he walks over to the edge of the lookout, pauses, and then waves at Mr. Popo with a smirk before flying off. I love this. I'm glad that you zoomed in on this moment because I wanted to as well, because as Mr. Like 
right before that, the very moment before that, after they finished the fusion, where Popo is like tears on his face, it looks like there's a moment where Piccolo just walks away from Popo without saying a word. So it looks like you're kind of like, oh, you know, Piccolo is going to be a dick to Mr. Popo. And then Popo, you know, asks if Kami's still there. And that's when you get the line from Piccolo, Kamikolo, whatever the hell you want to call him in this moment. Uh, but I love Piccolo with Kami inside of him giving that farewell to Popo with a smile on his face. It says so much about Kami, Kami's relationship with Popo and where Piccolo is now that he has Kami inside of him. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's interesting, right? Because Piccolo's journey has always led him kind of back towards the light just throughout, I guess, our entire time with him from his defeat at Goku's hands originally in original Dragon Ball, and then all of his journeys through the Saiyan saga, Namekian saga, and leading all the way up to now the Android slash Cell saga. He's always been making steps into the more good direction. And I think this is definitely a milestone step for him. Yeah, I mean, as a reminder for everybody, Kami was the good side of the original Namekian entity, and he removed the evil from him, which created King Piccolo, who then spawned Piccolo Jr., who we have now. So this is the bad side of Piccolo rejoining with the good side of Kami. So it that scene does a good job of giving us this just this little nugget of his farewell to Popo that shows like, okay, the good in Kami is impacting Piccolo. And it's also Piccolo's journey is kind of the, is Kami's journey flipped on its head, right? It's Kami was more or less good, but corrupted by the evils of the world. Whereas Piccolo was the spawn of evil who was made good by the world. And it's kind of interesting to see those, those two elements come back together. That's a really good observation, too. Yeah, they, they have a great kind of flipped side of the coin story there. I, th- uh, I think uh, the first time I saw this, it didn't mean much to me because I didn't see original Dragon Ball. But now I'm like, oh, there's so much to talk about. Yeah, 100 percent. I also <laughs> really like seeing Korang kind of like see Piccolo, uh, well, Piccolo with Kami now leave and kind of giving him like a, a just a little bit of a farewell there as well. Well, we flip over to uh, Trunks, who's heading off to investigate these mysterious disappearances. And it's at one of these scenes where Piccolo arrives and we get shots of this weird green alien thing dragging bodies around what looks like an abandoned town. Yeah, I mean, we have to talk about this scene in depth. Like, It's so good. It's so good. There's a lot of good here. There's a few things that I didn't like about the Kai rendition. Um, let, let's start with the bad, actually. So the the bad for me is the music. And I, I say that a lot in Kai. There's a lot of scenes that are okay. But, well, I'll say one bad and one good, actually, because the music leading up to it, up to this scene, I don't like. It's kind of like bouncy and it doesn't feel dramatic to me. In the middle, there's actually a, a good chunk of this scene that has no music. All you I, have okay. is... I thought I remember that. I didn't write it down, but you're right. I do distinctly remember... I don't know, like a lack of moment in that moment. 
I'm not sure. Like that part is actually the the part that I I think could could be good. Like it could go one way or the other because while I think this scene could be better with maybe like some very subtle like undertones of scary music, uh, it's the lack of music and just hearing Piccolo's footsteps and hearing mm. like the wind blowing and no other sound is eerie in itself, right? Like this, this is supposed to be, this is maybe like one of the only kind of horror or scary scenes. It really is. Ball. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I actually agree with you. I, I do think that for, for a portion of this, letting you just experience the emptiness of this place without having that music, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a fantastic thing. I do think there's a point where the music really should have brought it together and we didn't quite get that. But you're right. I do think the scenes leading up where it's silent and you get to just see just, I mean, these eerie shots of just like clothes laying around and just like you said, the wind blowing. I like that there's no music there, but I feel like that no music is actually built up and there should have been something to really bring it home after that. That's the, well, we'll kind of move through the scene because as you get the reveal here, they do play some music with the reveal and it's not fitting for the scene at all <laughs> that was the part that i didn't like but walking us through the scene a little bit piccolo's just making his way through the city seeing like you said dayton these these clothes lying on the street it looks like you know people's entire outfits that are just almost as if the people had just been vaporized or disappeared uh and i i, I mean it's it's really cool because I don't, I didn't remember how creepy the scene was and being able to rewatch it again. It almost took me off guard. It didn't feel like Dragon Ball for a moment. It felt like something different. And I like that. I was kind of taken out of the moment. I also like that our introduction to what we will find out here is uh cell in his imperfect form is very different than a lot of other villains we've seen in Dragon Ball. It's right. very serious it's also very like you said horror like horror element hor horrifying i guess yeah absolutely i mean the piccolo is walking around this is a good like minute long scene of just piccolo walking through the city seeing these clothes and like no sound other than his footsteps in the wind and then you hear the infamous squeaky footsteps of cell <laughs> making his way onto the scene. And we get this, this great panning up shot from looking at it like his three toed green and black spotted feet, moving up his legs, getting to see his weird fucking mouth beak groin area and moving up to his lanky body with kind of the orange lines going through parts of it. And then finally his wild looking head that sticks out on either side with, I don't even know what to call it. Does this look like a crown to you? <laughs> it's fantastic. And I love the, um, the, the character design for cell because he's, he's got this like very, I don't know, like bug like kind of, feature set to him with it almost looks like he has like carapist wings on his back that I don't know that, that could unfold at any moment. He's got this long tail with this, this sharp appendage at the end of it. Um, he doesn't have lips. He's got a weird flap thing. Like 
dude's creepy and I'm here for it. Also, he's doing creepy things. So it, it all lines up for me just right. It's it's a- excellent. It's an excellent reveal. And to add to the creepiness, he's dragging a person just pulling them by the back of their clothes. This person still clearly alive starts to actually, that might be the beginning of next session. <laughs> Let's go ahead and episode. jump into uh, DBZ Kai's nicest episode. Episode 69. I am your brother, the monster who possesses Goku's <laughs> key. And uh, we take a moment to flip back to Goku. Who's starting to like stretch out and relax. And he's, he's not up and about anymore, but it looks like he's getting over the disease and resting peacefully. Now. I, I know this is a short scene. I deeply love this scene because it starts off with the fucking Kame house, just shaking and rattling. And Chi Chi's like, Oh shit, what's going on? Are we under attack by the androids? And she like runs to the window to look out and it's just Goku firing off Kamehameha's down into the water. It's fucking fantastic. <laughs> uh, but we get the scene and then flip Pebble over to Piccolo, who asks Cell to release that human he's holding in his hand. And I love this because Cell doesn't say a word. He just releases this kind of fat, corrupt-looking man who begins, like, groveling and crawling away. But before he can make it far... We see Cell lift up his tail and then plunge it deep into the man's back. And we get a really quite gruesome scene here where we see the man slowly begin like aging and melting right before our eyes before being sucked away completely and disappearing. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and you know what? I think I jumped the gun with the Goku scene. Uh, get there. He's, eh. he's not up yet, but he will be. Yeah, he doesn't die from the disease. Spoiler. <laughs> uh, but... The the scene with Cell here is fantastic. Again, watching this is like we've seen a lot of violence in Dragon Ball, especially Dragon Ball Z, people getting holes blasted through them or punched through them. This is I don't know. This is arguably one of the most gruesome scenes as you watch this man melt into the ground and just get sucked up into the tail that is Cell. Yeah, it's pretty morbid just because it's, I mean, it's one thing to be incinerated. It's another thing to have like your life just like sucked away from you and your body fall apart. And like there's shots of like his, this fat man's fingers begin shriveling up and you see the skin like hanging off the bones and stuff like that. It's really gruesome. Yeah, it is. It is gruesome. Uh, This kind of turns into what is going to be the start of our fight between piccolo and cell as cell now powers up and people are kind of feeling this this energy and some of them are like what is going on why does it feel like goku and our other friends are over there fighting piccolo (laughs) yeah everyone's taking notice that they can sense everybody's energy all together at once and piccolo is weirded out because this weird cell creature thing is also calling him brother and it's i mean everyone's freaking out we do get a brief scene that flips away i love this scene because we see trunks using his goddamn watch as a gps to get around that's how he knows where to go i love it (laughs) that's hilarious i didn't even like take mental note of that but it I mean, it makes sense, right? 
Yeah, like if unless there's like a powerful guy over there, how the hell would you know where most cities were, right? You'd be like, I don't know, where's Gingertown? Is it the place where I don't sense people? That could be half the globe for all I know. It's got to be extra hard for him, too, given that his world is quite different. Like, yeah, 70% destroyed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to point that out. I actually like that scene. It makes the world make more sense. Um, but back to Piccolo and Cell. Piccolo also decides to power up and uh, turns out that Kame fusion was big. Piccolo's got big power now. Oh, that's a that's a huge power. He whips out his Dende and this is I mean, this is Cell. Cell basically comes into this like Piccolo, I'm gonna whoop that ass. And then Piccolo's like, nah, bitch, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even Trunks from off screen is impressed with Piccolo's power. And we see Piccolo holding up his hand, Cell bracing, and we get this colossal key blast to kind of really kick things off. And I mean, I will say the beginning of this battle's kind of meh as they kind of throw key blasts at each other, but I think it builds up better. Yeah, I I also like Piccolo stating to Cell, I'm kind of glad that you killed all of the people here because now I don't have to hold back. And then he fucking blasts him with this gigantic key blast. Yeah, and Cell decides to respond in kind using Piccolo's own signature move, the special beam cannon. Or yeah. could you say it in uh in Japanese? The Makankosamamana. Yeah, that uh, one. And Piccolo's <laughs> caught off guard. Not only does this guy sense like everybody's energy, they also he also has like their moves. Yeah, so this is interesting. We're this is a great fight. Even there are moments, like you said, Dayton, where the choreography here is not not the best. It has some good moments in it. What I like about this fight is how it does a great job of slowly revealing to the audience what the deal is with Cell. We learn about his different that he has the energy of multiple people that he can use techniques from all of the people that we're familiar with. And we're going to shortly get his entire backstory. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, this is a fun scene because I feel like we get Piccolo kind of taking front stage for a little bit here. And I like it when we get characters that aren't the front page characters that get to step in and do stuff. So I like that he's getting his little, his time in the spotlight, if you will. I like that too. I will say as far as Cell goes, so a lot of people, Cell is a lot of people's favorite villain. He's not my favorite. And one of the reasons is because of this episode, because I really like his reveal. I like the kind of scary horror element and the unknown factor that is Cell. But it's completely undercut by the fact that Cell immediately gets his ass whooped by Piccolo. Uh, I mean, it's it's. It is at least there are fun moments in the fight at the bare minimum. But oh, yeah. at the same time, I do think that um, <clears throat> it could be a storytelling kind of bait and switch sort of thing where you bring in this character, this creepy character, and you're like, who the hell is this guy? He's getting his butt kicked by Piccolo. And you sort of stop caring about him, right? You stay focused on the androids. And he's kind of that, that Chekhov's gun. He's that thing that was revealed and then later will be the big villain, he's going to have a big impact sort of thing. So, I mean, whether or not it's done well is a different story. Um, 
but I I like Cell. I think Cell's great. I love his reveal. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean Cell is a, a great villain, great character. His intro is excellent. Uh we also, as we kind of continue through the fight here, Cell ends up getting into a stance and using the signature Kamehameha. And I mean Piccolo is is shocked. This is this is weird to me. I guess one thing here though is that maybe the reason why Piccolo is shocked is because he can feel Goku's energy specifically when Cell is using the Kamehameha, but there are a lot of people in this world who know how to use the Kamehameha. Well, let's um let's put a pin in that for a moment because there could be another reason why he he was shocked and in disbelief, right? So the uh the Kamehameha happens, Piccolo dodges it, but in dodging it, um he causes his guard to drop. And this is where he's grappled from behind by Cell, who drives his weird tail appendage into Piccolo's arm. And we see energy start getting sapped from Piccolo and his arms start deflating. And Piccolo is able to break out uh, of the grapple with a vicious headbutt, but not before having his arm reduced to this deflated little husk. Yeah, I think we just get a, a quick shot of the androids as we find out that uh, 16 can sense energy and he's kind of talking about the fight briefly. Uh, this turns into Piccolo basically saying, I I can't fight you anymore. Uh, I, I can't win with my arm like this. Why don't you tell me, why don't you at least explain to me who you are and what it is that you want uh, before you kill me? Yeah, and it's at this point that Cell says, ah, what what could it hurt? And just gives Piccolo all that fat, juicy information, which is his name is Cell, and that uh, he's also an android created by Dr. Giro. Yeah, I think that pretty much takes us into the next episode. Yeah, the explanation continues on episode 70, a devious trick. The Taiyo Ken chase after the artificial human cell. That's a translation. So (laughs) episode 70... Uh, Cell continues his explanation um, with the not only was he created by Dr. Giro, but he was specifically created by Dr. Giro's supercomputer, a project that was left to progress on its own due to the time it would take for completion. And this little mini lab was actually buried deep under Giro's lab in a secure bunker. Yeah, I mean, this is interesting. He basically expresses, too, that there were these tiny little robots that had been watching our Z fighters over, gosh, over years, maybe even decades at this point. And they stole cells. They stole, like, biological data as well as just visual combat data. And they dumped all of that into Cell, making him just, well a Petri dish of the world's greatest fighters. (laughs) And to make things actually make sense, um, technically he doesn't emerge for 24 years. So he had to travel back in time because in his timeline, um, let's see here. Trunks had defeated Android in 17 and 18 in his timeline, which prevented him from being able to achieve his final form. Is this different than the original? No, no, this is, this is how it was in the original. Uh, this is, this is some of the time, time traveling shenanigans that 
if you think too hard about it, it makes very little sense. <laughs> okay. For some reason, I thought he had traveled back because 17 and 18 had destroyed too much of the Earth's population, and he wasn't able to suck up enough energy to get strong enough to suck them up or something like that. But I, I can't remember. No, I I think even the original, I know for sure the manga is this way. Uh, okay. I think even the original Funimation dub was still that Trunks had defeated the androids, uh, and that's why Cell had to travel back to this timeline. Well, he at least uh, was able to suck up Trunks, hijack his time machine, and then travel to the past where his perfect form was still a possibility. Yeah. I'm going to try not to dig into the time travel stuff too much, but Cell ended up traveling four years. Uh, let's see. It would be four years before the arrival of the androids, which is technically one year before Trunks showed up originally and defeated Frieza. Uh, and Cell says that Trunks was the one who set the coordinates and all he had to do was push a button, which this part doesn't make sense to me because they're basically like their explanation is, oh, Trunks is going to go back in time uh, a second time and just tell everybody, hey, I did it. I defeated the androids. But why would he go back to a year before he arrived the first time? The only thing that I can say to justify this is that Trunks hadn't finished setting the coordinates of the, the time travel device. I, I'll buy that because I don't like time travel, so we'll take whatever explanation makes things keep going. It's a whole hot mess. We can keep <laughs> moving forward. Well, uh, now that we're done uh, talking about time travel, uh, Piccolo reveals that he's been feigning weakness this whole time to draw this information out of Cell. And on top of Trunks and Krillin showing up, Piccolo's uh, actually much stronger than than he's been letting on. So things look really, really bad for Cell suddenly. Yeah, I don't know if we did we mention he rips off his arm and regrows it and then. Oh, yeah. Uh, Piccolo regrows his arm, which we're quickly moving towards that becoming a meme. <laughs> I mean, it's happened so many times already. It's it, it's a little <laughs> bit ridiculous, but also eh, it's kind of fun. I mean, sometimes. As long as you just lose arms, you're great. Yeah, exactly. He does admittedly like dodge the getting the the tail to the body and um, like deliberately takes it to the arm, which is a pretty cool move. That's why I'm wondering. So with like the Kamehameha thing surprising him, maybe it didn't and he was feigning surprise. I don't know. Like I'm See, willing to buy that. Yeah, that's fair. That's uh, again in in there are a lot of parts in this part of the story where we kind of as an audience have to come up with our own reasons and explanations behind a few things yeah it's i mean piccolo's a planner he'll feign death and do kinds of like real shady stuff like that so it would be in line with the way that guy works yeah absolutely and this kind of turns into our title card for the episode as cell realizes that he's not in a good situation especially with trunks showing up to aid piccolo uh and so he yeah, Krill, krillin's there too yeah, I mean, I'm sure Krillin could do something helpful. <laughs> uh, and so Cell moves up towards the sun and striking a pose that is familiar to us, uses the solar flare to blind our heroes and dart the fuck out of there. Yeah, he, he blinds them and then runs off and then sucks down a whole football team. <laughs> There's... 
I have to say, I don't want to stay, stay on it too much, but the dialogue immediately following this is ridiculous. Like it felt like original Dragon Ball Z dialogue to me and not Kai dialogue. Oh, I don't even remember. It's so absurd because first off, they've already established that Cell uh, feels like he has the energy of like Goku, Piccolo. They specifically say Tien. And following the solar flare, after Piccolo has watched Cell use the special beam cannon and the Kamehameha and now the solar flare, Piccolo's like, oh shit, wasn't that, isn't the solar flare Tien's move? I thought that Cell had Goku's moves. It's like, Piccolo, your logic there makes absolutely no (laughs) sense. There's even a moment where Krillin says, uh, because Piccolo says, oh yeah, he is the Kamehameha. And uh, Krillin's like, Kamehameha, that's Goku's move. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, dude, you can use it. God damn it. Not to mention, he's a student of Master Roshi. It's Master Roshi's Mm. move. (laughs) Oh, hey, King Kai, did did I invent the Kaioken? (laughs) It's got my fucking name in it. (laughs) That's really funny. (laughs) Uh, i didn't pay that close attention to that that's really funny (laughs) like it it felt like exactly what dragon ball z abridged guys the team four star guys were making fun of in the original z and it's still in the kai dialogue i was blown away (laughs) that's funny i love that i actually love that (laughs) so anyway outside of some questionable dialogue uh vegeta and tn have arrived at the battle site and everyone's filled in on the situation right so everyone's up to speed now yes so we i mean we we've solved the mystery we know who cell is uh i believe i don't think that we covered it but uh cell is also looking to get his perfect form he we did not cover that. That's kind of his, he's hell bent on that. Um, I did mention that he had to travel back in time because trunks had defeated 17 and 18 and he needs to absorb them in order to achieve that perfect form that which he was created to do. Yes. So this is basically his big objective. And this is what now ties cell to the primary narrative of the androids. It's not just, Cell was another android to uh, kill Goku, but he's actually connected to directly to 17 and 18 as he's supposed to absorb them. And I want to say what if you kind of zoom back out on like everything leading up to Cell and what he's supposed to do. It's crazy that Dr. Juro saw saw everything that happened with our heroes up until before they go to Namek, right? He doesn't know anything that happens on Namek. And so he creates these androids that are, I, I don't know how many times more powerful than anything he's ever seen. And then creates a, a backup project for another android that's going to absorb the original already insanely powerful androids and become how many levels more powerful than anything he's ever seen? Like, it's just mind-blowing. I mean... You're you're right. There is an interesting detail to add there, though, because they explicitly state that Cell has some of the biology from Frieza and King Cold. And they also state this. This might be a little bit further. I think they find this out when they go into the lab. 
Um, but they also state that Cell specifically doesn't have Trunks's DNA, uh, even though Dr. Zero got data from those fights with Trunks killing freezing King Cold. Uh, and so he kind of missed out on that Super Saiyan DNA. But also, there's a part of me that's like, wait a second. You knew that Trunks was a Saiyan. You saw Trunks turn Super Saiyan. And yet when Goku and Vegeta turn Super Saiyan, you're like, what the fuck's a Super Saiyan? <laughs> it's just, it's wild. I, the, the, the macro look at this just falls apart under any amount of scrutiny, but it, we're here to have fun. Okay, I'm not going to go too deep into it. It just, it just, I don't know, man. I, you have questions if you start thinking about it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like the Kai dub could have fixed some of these things a little bit better than they did, but it's, you know, maybe I mean, that was... Honestly, I'm sure there's like a one or two line answer that explains everything away. Um, just like we saw, like, it's a mathematical formula. Your power doubles every X amount of time at Y rate. And we figured out that by the time I finished the project, I needed something this powerful. Bam, <laughs> science guy does math and I, cool, we're good. Yeah, yeah, that could be it. But we basically get uh, Vegeta on the scene, Tien on the scene. Everybody gets uh, given the details of what's going on. And Cell is at large trying to absorb more people. Yeah, sucking down football teams. And that leads us into episode 71, Attack of the Elusive Cell. Son Goku is finally revived. And this one kicks off with our heroes beginning to game plan. And Vegeta pitches in by suggesting that they let Cell hit his perfect form so he's as strong as possible and then leaves. I fucking love this because Vegeta's still not even as strong as Piccolo. Like he's probably nowhere near as strong as Cell is in this current moment in his first form. So this is just hilarious bravado. <laughs> I mean, it's just Saiyans want that that top tier fight regardless. And then Piccolo is the epitome of that. It's it doesn't matter how much more insanely strong Cell is. He wants to see it like it's it's in his DNA. It's imprinted into his brain. There is also something very funny about the fact that Vegeta says this, says this about letting Cell get to his perfect form in front of Trunks, given what happens moving forward. Yeah, that's true. Well, and so Vegeta gave his two cents, then zoomed off. Um, and we see that the others are going to kind of comb the area for Cell. Well, well. Tien and Piccolo are going to comb the area for Cell, and Trunks and Krillin are going to go to Jiro's lab and destroy this timeline Cell to prevent any more shenanigans from happening. Um, and they do that successfully, by the way. So They absolutely do. They also get uh, plans, like basically a blueprint and notes about Android 17, which they... They decide, okay, we're going to take this back to Balma. Maybe Balma can find a weakness in the androids that we can then exploit. Yeah, so after they, they grab the plans, destroy the lab, uh, Trunks hands these things over to Krillin so he can take it back to Balma, and then Trunks goes to train with his good old dad. Yeah, uh, which is not going to go very well for him. There <laughs> is a brief moment. We, we get cutaways regularly to see Cell just sucking down city after city after battle ball team. And uh, there is a, a brief moment, which was filler in the anime of Krillin running into cell and having like a brief little exchange, uh, managing to save a couple of people. 
and almost getting sucked down himself before Piccolo and the others show up. I, I do like how he saves like the, the mother and child and then like he squares up and he's like, man, he goes, this is what I get for taking that shortcut. <laughs> I was just trying to get to Kami house. <laughs> oh, it's pretty funny. I mean, I'm glad they made good use of the that filler episode. It's actually fun. It's also just anything that built Krillin up is a badass. I'll take. So he stalls for enough time. Uh, Piccolo shows up and that's, Cell's boogeyman, so as soon as Piccolo gets close, Cell zooms off, Krillin's life is saved, and he's still a hero. Yeah, this is great. Uh, the the Z fighters kind of decide, okay, we're going to try to find Cell by taking a plane, because he won't be able to sense our energy if we're on the plane. Uh, the androids are headed towards Kame House, and now we finally get the scene that I was talking about and jumped ahead of, uh, where Goku is shooting off Kamehameha's in the water and they think the androids are attacking. <laughs> yes, it's um, it's actually three days go by after the events with Krillin and Goku's recovered and half the population has been sucked by Cell. Yeah, that's, that's wild. Um, and so, I mean, you know, your average person is what, like a power level of one? Well, now, once you suck down, assuming millions of people, right? Like, that's a yeah. lot of power. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the farmer with shotgun in the first episode of Z is rated at a power level five. And I think it's implied that that is taking into account the shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, so it's something like that. Uh, let, let's go with two. Um, but I mean, it's, I mean, that's nuts. Cell's been busy. And I'm not going to do the math on how many people he need to suck an hour to to make that possible, because I'm sure it doesn't make sense. But, you know, what? good for him. Yeah, he's getting his suck on. Uh, and Goku says that he's got a plan to deal with Cell. And I think we're going to find out what that is next episode. Well, so at this point, Vegeta, uh, Goku and Trunks have all kind of made passing comments about going beyond Super Saiyan. That's the goal now. Super Saiyan's no longer the the marker. They all want to find what's next. And Goku says this when he wakes up. Um, Vegeta says this to Trunks. Um, when Trunks says, what are you going to do? You couldn't even um, beat them with Super Saiyan. Vegeta made a comment like made a comment along the lines of, well, I guess I'll have to figure out how to go beyond Super Saiyan. That's and right. So, these are all breadcrumbs, right? These these are important to take note of. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and it, it, it's funny to see Vegeta and Goku specifically, our only full Saiyans, come to that same conclusion now that they've become Super Saiyans. Uh, but I, I think that takes us into the next episode, which has to do with breaking that barrier. Yes, it's episode 72, which is Surpass Super Saiyan. Now, into the room of spirit and time. And Goku declares at the beginning of this episode that if he can't go beyond Super Saiyan in a year, then he'll think of something different. And this seems really bizarre and very specific. And even Roshi's like, uh, we don't have that kind of time. But Goku says he knows a place where a year only takes one day. And he's going to take Gohan along with him to this place? Yeah, this is awesome because, again, if if somebody has watched is just watching through Dragon Ball Z and has not watched Dragon Ball, they don't realize that this is a callback. This is a callback to Goku's training on the lookout with 
Popo and Kami. And uh, this is, this is a great callback. This is, uh, it's really great having this lore kind of tied in together. And Goku's like, well, uh, I think we find out here shortly that Goku could only last a month inside of that chamber previously. And he wants to spend an entire year in there now, which sounds daunting. Yeah. And we, I like that we have Chi Chi acting like she's going to be upset about Gohan leaving and not taking care of his studies, but she kind of like puffs up for a minute and then kind of chills out and says, you know what? Go for it. As long as once the world is safe, Gohan focuses back on his studies. And I was just like, okay, that's fair. Like as a parent, I would like be in that same spot where I'm just like, eh. Like, yeah, go save the world. But at the same time, like, I, I don't want to raise another. I'm, I'm living with one idiot. I don't want to live with two. Yeah, she's got pretty good justification, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> uh, so which... I, I think it's respectable, right? It's also kind of, I mean, maybe there's a discussion about how it's kind of like a butting heads of like, of I guess, like the old ways and the new ways sort of thing, like historical martial arts and hundred or thousand year old traditions and then going to school. Yeah, I mean, Goku's always lived off the land like he he knows how to survive by himself perfectly fine. He doesn't need anything else. Uh, but, you know, Chi Chi wants more more than that for her child. And that's as much as Chi Chi can be a little obnoxious in Dragon Ball Z. Uh, that's reasonable, I think. And also, I think Chi Chi was a little spoiled growing up, right? Like she. Oh, yeah. She was daughter of the Ox King. She had like her own palace. Um, I mean, she probably never really wanted for anything, whereas Goku really had nothing when he was growing up. He didn't even really have a dad. Yeah, yeah, he had uh, a grandpa or, you know, father figure and even didn't have that for very long. So uh, but this kind of turns into Goku now in perfectly good health, using his instant transmission to hone in Damn. on the rest. <laughs> to hone in on the rest of the gang uh he appears there's actually a really great scene like a touching scene where krillin's like man i really wish we had goku and then goku kind of funnily just appears right behind him and krillin like latches onto him just like tears in his eyes uh because you know for krillin the other z fighters and even for us as the audience goku's kind of like our beacon of hope yeah and i mean it's that that big hug with like tears in his eyes crashing Goku in the other side of the plane. It's it's like not only is Goku kind of their savior, Goku's also is Krillin's best friend, right? And yes. so him showing up, it's it means a lot. It probably means a lot to everybody, but it means so much to Krillin. Yeah. And we get this moment where uh Goku grabs Gohan and gets permission from Kam Kami Kam Kame Ikolo. Uh <laughs> Pame, uh, he has permission to use the hyperbolic time chamber and then instant transmissions out. Hmm. I'm only going to mention this briefly, but I love this Goku. The more that we're getting into Dragon Ball Z, uh, whether it's Kai or otherwise, and seeing Goku as he turns into an adult, the more I hate what they did with Goku's character in Dragon Ball Super because he's coming up... It, it, He's not okay. He's a little dumb. He's not as dumb as they portray him in super though. He's coming up with all these plans. He's got these ideas for like, okay, we are in a dire situation. What resources do I have available 
to use to get us out of this situation. And he's like, okay, uh, I know that Gohan has this hidden wall of power. I know that there's this room that we can get in a bunch of training in a very short amount of time. I'm going to go grab Gohan. We're going to go do some training. But first, I'm going to go tell Vegeta and Trunks about this room so that all four of us Saiyans can use that time to really get in some ideal training and maybe surpass Super Saiyan. Yeah, and this is all Goku's master plan. And it's all it's it's using elements that we all are at least to some degree already aware of, right? There's no literal magic bean in this moment that's going to fix everything. It's here are all the tools, they're all in the table, and this is Goku's best idea for putting everything together in a cohesive piece. And I actually, I'm glad you brought it up because I never really thought about it that is, I guess, as deeply as you did. Yeah, this is Goku kind of master planning and showing once again, this leans into fighting, right? It leans into yeah. beating an opponent and that's his wheelhouse. That's where he specializes. And yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I don't like the Goku is dumb super. Goku can be socially like, have bad, you know, manners and not really take cues and not know how to talk to people. Like, yes. that's fine. He's a, a monkey man who grew up in the woods and yeah. he should be that way. That makes sense. But when it comes to anything related to fighting and beating an opponent, that should be his wheelhouse and he should have plans and be able to scheme things. He's a savant, man. He he knows how to handle fighting. Uh, and yeah, I I love seeing him do that here. I really enjoy this Goku. This is probably like Cell Saga and then the next arc, probably peak Goku for me. Um, but this kind of turns into uh, Goku. <laughs> the scene where Goku pops up with Vegeta and, and Trunks at their training site. I cannot believe how spot on DBZ abridged was. At yes. this moment. It is literally the same scene shot for shot, just with some words subbed in. Like, oh yeah. It's Goku and Gohan. They pop into existence in this like rocky terrain where Trunks has been just watching Vegeta stare into space for three days. I love this. Uh, they. It's funny because in the original, we get a lot more scenes of just this happening. And I think even a little bit more dialogue between Trunks and Vegeta, but Trunks basically just sums it up like we've been sitting here for three days. He's been looking out there. I've been sitting here. We've done nothing. <laughs> just like, And Goku has a great line, too, where he's like, if I know Vegeta, he's basically over there just trying to will himself to pass Super Saiyan. <laughs> it's a great line. Oh, <laughs> uh, it just cracked me up. I couldn't believe how spot on the, the, the bridge was to the scene. And I mean, it's. <sighs> It's in character. It's not like it's no, not yeah. in character for Vegeta to one, be disappointed at his future son for not like being better Two, not wanting to accept help from his pathetic future son. And three, uh, want to willpower his way through a situation. Like all three of these things line up. It fits. It's hilarious, but I like humor that's in character. And that's what this is. That's, that's what makes Toriyama humor entertaining is when, it's character-based humor. We understand who these characters are, and he uses that to make us laugh. Like, watching Vegeta be a stubborn, obstinate asshole, it's entertaining. 
I mean, it's spot on. It's it, it really did make me laugh. I laughed out loud at this scene. I mean, I have to give some credit to a bridge because it made me think of their coverage of it and how ridiculous it is. But they're just highlighting it. It's been there the whole time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I mean, this turns into Goku basically coercing Vegeta again. Goku, even dealing with people, Goku is being very smart here about how he's doing this. And, you know, there's there's something to be said about the fact that Goku and Vegeta are both Saiyans and Goku on some level understands the way Vegeta's mind works now. And he uses that to in a way manipulate him, but he's giving Vegeta exactly what he wants when he says, I have this place where you can train for a year in a day's time and you'll be able to get stronger than cell stronger than the androids stronger than even me. And this is, I mean, this is the bone that Vegeta wants, right? This is the, uh, you, ooh, you're catching me. And I mean, it's, it's also giving Vegeta kind of first dibs on the fight, right? And that's something that Goku understands because he wants that. He's also a Saiyan and that same hunger's in him. So it's, oh, yeah. you appeal to the ego. You say you're the best. You're going to be on top and you get the big fight. I mean, what else could a Saiyan want? All of the, like, I can't get over the fact, like how smart, smart uh, Goku is being here. If only because Goku, it's in Goku's character to want that fight, right? Like he, obviously he wants to fight Cell, but he's being an adult about it. And he's telling Vegeta, I'll give you first dibs. Uh, you get to go into the, the chamber. You get to get stronger first. You get to fight Cell first. This could mean that Goku doesn't even get a chance to fight Cell. But I think as we see going forward, we kind of understand that Goku probably realized that Vegeta or somebody was going to fuck things up. I think seeing how events unfold, like having our future knowledge, I think Goku knew that there's probably only one real way to beat Cell. And so it didn't matter which one of them went first because neither of them were really like they were never really part of the plan. Yeah. Which I, again, I love that. I love that about Goku's character and how much thought he put into this scenario. Oh, it's fantastic. Well, Vegeta agrees and they uh, prepare to get their training going. And from here we flip away and we get Piccolo, Tien and Krillin having no luck catching Cell. And they decide to go back to Kame house and rest and regroup. And it's weird because Android 16, 17 and 18 show up on their doorstep. <laughs> this is, uh, I mean, this is great. Like, Piccolo is basically like, okay, let's like, I'm not going to tell you where Goku is because that's what they want. Uh, he says, you're going to have to beat it out of me more or less. Uh, and so he's like, we're going to go fight on that island over there. Uh, he takes all three of the androids. So 16, 17 and 18 away from Kame house where he leaves Krillin and the others behind. And this starts what I think is, I mean, this is just a fun fight, man. Yep. <laughs> so they go to this island. Um, 
Android 17 steps forward, and we've got a duel between Android 17 and Piccolo. And unbeknownst to the androids, Piccolo has a new Kame tune-up up his sleeve. So the first time Piccolo kind of got his butt kicked in, it's not going to be the same this time around. Yeah, absolutely. We should also point out uh, at this point, Trunks and Vegeta have already entered the hyperbolic time chamber and begun their training. In fact, at this point, I believe some of our Z fighters are even expressing, uh, oh no, the androids are here. We need Piccolo to stall just a little bit longer. And then Vegeta and Trunks will have finished their training and they'll be out and they can kind of head out there and save the day. That's right. Yeah, there is kind of a, a little time jump forward here. So we're we're kind of waiting for Vegeta and Trunks to step out and unveil the fruits of their labor at this point. But we get the battle beginning and Android 17 and Piccolo, they seem to be on equal footing, maybe even Piccolo getting the, the better of things a little bit. And I don't like the choreography here at the end of this episode, but I like it a lot more when we get into episode 73. This is the power of a super Namekian number 17 versus Piccolo. Because we're not using just some filler scenes now. We're going to get into some good stuff. But before we do that, um, Bulma continues her work on the shutdown device. Uh, that's important. Yeah, the, the device to turn off the androids. Basically, she she feels like she's getting to a point where she can uh, create a device that will just with a push of a button, turn off uh, 17 and 18 exactly like Duro had that 17 quickly destroyed. And then we're back to the, the good stuff and Piccolo. We, we, I mean, it's fun. We see just a flurry of key blasts uh, and a explosion induced rainbow and we get some patented comments about not even using their full power. Like it's all, it's DBZ in its prime, right? You're getting all the stuff that you love DBZ for. Absolutely. There's some really good weighty attacks here, like physical blows, but it, it transitions into Piccolo shooting off a barrage of key blasts at 17, 17 easily enough able to dodge them. Uh, there's a little bit of a fight in between that. And then it turns into Piccolo doing the exact same thing once more, shooting off this barrage of key blasts. And 17's like, are you even trying? Like, it doesn't even look like you're trying to hit me at this point. This this clearly isn't going to work. And then he looks up, looks over, looks down, and he's surrounded by little balls of Piccolo's key energy. And he is fully trapped. And he doesn't say the name of the technique here. I'm so pissed. I'm so mad. Oh, I think his, so it, this is Piccolo's patented hell zone grenade. And we see him pull the arms together and all these key blasts come flying into the, the center point with the Android. And there's a huge explosion and it's awesome. And he doesn't say the line. I think his tagline here is I'll see you in hell as he pulls them together, which is like, okay, it's close. I'm wondering because they're starting to get weird with their names because I think I, I didn't go back to double check, but I think that they called the solar flare. I think they actually used the name solar flare this time. 
and it, previously in like the Saiyan arc, they were using like Kienzan for the Destructo disc. Like they were using the Japanese names for a lot of the techniques. And so I, I'm lost as to which names they're using. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure Hellzone Grenade is like the, the English name for this attack. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the Japanese name is, but they didn't use either of them. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's happy. <laughs> I mean, it's like I said, I'm, you know, English uh, translation or names for life just because I, those names all like invoke uh, a, a young memory for me and I will always be attached to them. I don't have a problem with the Japanese names. They don't mean anything to me. Hellzone yeah. Grenade means something to me. I, I want I wanted to hear it. And I didn't get it here. Yeah, I I was torn to. I like that they at least gave it something like a tagline that was akin to the name. They, they uh, nodded to it, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I'll, I'll give them half a point for that at least. Uh, That's fair. I All think- right, you get half a point, but no full points. Yeah, I think this is also the only time that we ever see the Hellzone grenade. I don't even think they use it in Super, if I remember right. Mm, I don't know. When I I played quite a few games of the Tenkaichi Budokai two, <laughs> so I heard Hellzone grenade all the time. So I've got I've got some memories there. But yeah, that's fair. Either way, I'll get off my uh my my little stool here, and we get to see the basis. For all of Android 17 in Super, when the dust settles, he's got a little force field around him that protected him from the Hellzone grenade. This is hilarious how iconic this became for 17's character. Like, almost all of the video games that I've seen 17 in, he always uses this energy shield. Uh, he, he uses it a whole lot in uh in Dragon Ball Super to the to the point where he has like multiple energy barriers <laughs> like it's it's cool i'm not knocking it and i'm glad that there's like throwbacks to it it's just funny that this one time that he used it it became such a big part of his character he's like i've got one move i'm going to be the best at it no one's going to compete you want little energy fields i'm the guy you you want one i'll hook you up yeah <laughs> oh that's so funny well anyway after Android 17 unveils his only technique. Um, They decide (laughs) to find a new island because the one they're currently fighting on is just way too damaged. So they fly off to a new place to do battle. But while this is happening, we kind of get some background motion when Cell picks up on Piccolo's energy and determines that Piccolo must be fighting the other androids because he doesn't sense anyone else's energy and he knows Piccolo's in battle right now. And he feels like he's in a position after all of the people that he sucked down to go absorb 17 and 18. So Cell is en route uh, as we're kind of pushing through the battle between Piccolo and 17. And honestly, neither one is making headway. 17 basically makes a comment about the fact that Piccolo is breathing heavily. So 17's like, I have unlimited energy. You are going to get tired. So this fight is just a, you know, it's a battle of attrition that I'm going to win. Uh, And this fight sequence coming up here, though, is fantastic. Oh, my God. It's it's animated so well. Um, I don't know if you have notes on it, but I've got some fairly in-depth notes if you want them. Go for it. I don't have the details. Okay, so Android 17 and Piccolo, they square off once again, 
And this is where we get the good choreography. We get a quick open palm strike from 17 to Piccolo's chin to lead off the charge, followed by a hook from Piccolo that 17 ducks under and returns with a jab of his own into Piccolo's lower torso, doubling him open over, opening him up to this elbow to the back of Piccolo's skull, just slamming him into the ground. Piccolo leaps to his feet, somersaulting over a low sweeping kick, and then continues somersaulting back to safety. But from that. here, Piccolo does talk a little trash. <laughs> it's such a good sequence, man. Like, there's a reason a lot of people... This is like an unsung hero of fights. Like, I feel like a lot of the fan base really likes this fight, but it's... you. It kind of gets, uh, I guess, overshadowed by some of the bigger fights like, you know, Goku and Vegeta or Goku this, and This Frieza. fight doesn't have emotional weight to it, really. It's just a brawl. This is the junk food of DBZ. I mean, it's fantastic. It's some of my favorite junk food. It's still junk food at the end of the day, but goddamn, it's good junk food. Absolutely. And... As this fight sequence is kind of coming to a close, I think we wrap up our episode with the reveal of Cell approaching on the scene. We've to got get the one Android. more really just brutal exchange between oh, yeah. Seventeen and Piccolo, and it's kind of towards it's basically the end of the fight right before Cell arrives. But they are just manhandling each other with colossal just blows and slams. They're I mean, they're just grabbing each other by the shoulders and just slamming each other into the ground, just trading just deep punches to each other's guts and faces. Like, it is just, it is brutality. Defense is gone at this point. It is just a raw display of might. It's, I mean, it's a lot of, it's the WWF of of Dragon Ball right now. I can't believe I almost overshot the or overlooked the fucking Looney Tunes moment of them just like punching like <laughs> two feet deep through their torsos. Like I'm and I'm not knocking it. I love that shit. It's awesome. Like I said, it's junk food, but it's my kind of junk food. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but with Cell jumping on the scene, I think that takes us to the next episode. Yes, which is episode 74, run number 17, Piccolo's suicidal resistance. And we see Cell just cackling as he powers up. And I love this power-up scene from Cell because we see he's got that kind of yellowy Super Saiyan energy, but we see the way that it swirls. It creates like these ghostly-like like key puffs that are the souls of all the people that he's absorbed. And it's, I mean, it's really spooky. I love how creepy this guy is. It's really good. You can see little faces, almost like little skulls that swirl around him as his key energy powers up. Really great effect. Now, this, this is like, I have that minor complaint about the fact that Cell gets his ass watched by Piccolo. This moment is a really cool moment for Cell as he comes on the scene and now he truly feels like scary and terrifying. Yeah, and Piccolo is just stunned at this point. He's overwhelmed by just the power that Cell is emanating. And we see Cell just kind of walk towards him and walk past him as Cell makes his way towards his prey. And Piccolo just stares in disbelief. He doesn't lift a finger. And even the Z fighters on Roshi's islands are sensing the situation and just the the despair they have over Cell's new achieved power. I fucking love 
they're they're sitting there waiting because at this point i think we might have glossed over it but balma has completed the controller to deactivate the androids and these guys are just waiting for balma to arrive as she's flying on her plane and they're basically saying like shoot you know balma's probably like 20 minutes out we i wish she could get here faster and chi chi's like can't you motherfuckers fly like the speed of sound? <laughs> Why don't you go meet her and grab the controller? <laughs> yep, that's right. So Krillin zooms off to grab the shutdown device from Bulma. And then it's at around this point that Tien is just, he's discontent being a spectator. And he he decides he has to do something. And he zooms off towards the battle. He's going to jump into, I don't know what Tien's going to do at this point. Like, like these these are real titans, real nasty titans out there. And you're uh, Tien. Tien, let's be real. Tien has been insignificant since the start of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> oh, it makes me so sad. His arc was really good in original Dragon Ball. I'll never get over that. Yeah, I, like, honestly, he, he did nothing throughout Dragon Ball Z. He Even his, like, last moment tri-beam against Nappa, like, messes up his armor. That's it. <laughs> so he zooms off. Um, good luck, guy. Uh, and we flip back over to Android 17, who he doesn't know who the hell Cell is and is quickly caught off guard and pinned. And this is where Piccolo has to hop in and actually save his ass from uh, being absorbed and gives Android 17 the, the thousand foot overview of, hey, this dude's trying to suck you down. Don't let him do that. I I really like this uh, for a lot of reasons, but Piccolo is, first off, surprised that 17 doesn't know who Cell is. Uh, and then secondly... I mean, there there probably might have been some sort of idea in Piccolo's head that these guys were in cahoots. Like, you know, 17 was going to be like, yeah, sure, absorb me. Um, but because 17 doesn't know who Cell is and does not want to be absorbed, now Piccolo and 17 are basically on the same side as long as Cell is present. Yeah, and... Even 16 kind of pipes into the situation, confirming that the situation is really, really bad. And Cell is really, really bad. And um, the, they should probably leave, but the ego of 17 is just too much. And he leaps back in on the attack. Uh, I mean, 17 even says that I'm the greatest fighter in the world or whatever. Yes. Dr. Giro's greatest creation sort of thing, right? It's that ego that that these guys seem to have. This is like, I really like the direction that Dragon Ball Z abridged goes with 17 and 18, where they they're very focused on their freedom and doing things for themselves. But I like this line here to give justification for why 17 doesn't leave. I like that he's basically like like Cell comes in like I'm Dr. Jiro's greatest creation. I am the greatest warrior ever and 17 is like nah bitch that's me he made me to be the greatest warrior ever yeah and i mean it's well things take a quick turn when uh 17 is quickly downed again and a desperate piccolo who's trying his best to really salvage this bad situation he decides to launch this just colossal key blast and uh it's not that great 
we got to stop and talk about this for a second too, because this is another one of Piccolo's big techniques that doesn't get the name said here because this is Piccolo's light grenade uh, where he kind of puts all of his fingers together. Oh yeah, it is. That's not one I'm as familiar with, but yeah, I forgot about that. It's, it's a pretty like low key attack that again, I don't think it's used another time, uh, but it's, it's a cool technique. Uh, it's a really cool blast visually. It that is fucking destroys that entire side of the island. The animation and, for it is stunning. Yeah, beautiful. And the the result of it turns into uh, Piccolo is kind of like looking, hoping that he's killed Cell because Cell is nowhere to be seen. And then both 16 and Piccolo realize they can still feel Cell's power as Cell just nonchalantly walks up the slope revealing his head slowly from the water with a smile on his face. This, the way this scene transitions here really catches me off guard as Cell just slowly walks towards Piccolo. And then we see this kind of quick rush of movement and Cell delivers a punch that breaks Piccolo's neck and then lifts him up into the air and executes him with a key blast through the chest. I was that th that was real. I I love that they specify somebody specifically points out that Piccolo just had his neck broken. Oh, uh, Tian showed up and he's uh thinking about all this. He's he's, he's narrating <laughs> it for us. Yeah, he's our uh, he's our eye in the sky or try eyes in the sky, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but it. <sighs> There are some brutal moments in this show, like when Gohan gets his neck broken by Raccoon. I love that Piccolo gets his neck broken here, too. But I love when Dragon Ball Z ratchets up the brutality. A plus. It's I like the way that uh, Z does it, though, because it's sprinkled in. It's not gratuitous, right? It's it happens rarely because the moments that it does happen, they really stand out for you. If everyone was breaking necks and crap all the time, you wouldn't care. But. Right. Like, like you said, you could only really cite one other time something like this happened. And so those moments really stand out. So I like their use of them because I don't like gratuitous, like gore and violence and stuff like that. Um, maybe violence, but gore. I consider this <laughs> kind of gore. breaking someone's neck is definitely kind of a ugh, visceral thing for me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I very much agree. I, I like how much Dragon Ball Z decides to use those types of moments. And so Cell takes the lifeless Piccolo, chucks his body into the water as if it were a piece of trash. And there's a beautiful moment cutting over to Kami's lookout, or I guess what is just now the lookout uh, with Gohan, like, getting ready to run and fly off of the lookout Goku having to grab and restrain him and Gohan just screaming like, no, you can't do this to Piccolo. Like he Gohan thinks Piccolo's dead in this moment. And he is showing a deep well of emotion for his mentor. Yeah. And Goku, Goku has to be kind of quite stern with Gohan too, in this moment where it's Goku's almost rough with Gohan to kind of keep him there and keep him snapped into reality. And I mean, it's uh, 
Gohan is probably the only person in the world who probably deeply cared about Piccolo. And to some degree, Piccolo also cared about Gohan. So there's a bond there that I just, between those characters that just those heartstrings are pulled. It's really good. So the, the scene with Goku restraining Gohan is cut up into like two very small tidbits. The second one that comes up here uh, shortly after this is like you said, Goku being rough with Gohan. He physically like moves in front of Gohan and punches him in the face, knocking him to the ground. And I have to say, this is one of the scenes I had mentioned before that I feel like this is done way better in the original Funimation dub. And the the dialogue might be a deviation from the manga, but I love it. And I had to write it down here because after Goku punches Gohan in the face, and the, the whole thing here is that Gohan wants to go help Piccolo. Gohan's not strong enough to help Piccolo. If he goes out there to help Piccolo, he's going to just get himself killed. Yeah, it's suicide. Right. And Goku knows that. And that's why Goku's stopping him. He's being, you know, logical here. Uh, but as soon as Goku's like, no, don't go out there. You're going to get yourself killed. Uh, in the original Funimation dub, Gohan says, Piccolo would never turn his back on you like this, dad. Oh, it is. Oh, that's a line with some sting to it. Oh, it is fucking savage. And it's like, it shows how Gohan's feeling in that moment, but it's also a very childish line to say. And let's remember, Gohan's like 10 years old here. So it feels very much in character for him to say that. And then Goku just turns his back on Gohan in that moment. And Popo's lines are different in the original dub too, where Popo basically says to Gohan, like, Gohan, you have to understand your father is doing this for your own good he's hurting too he wants to help piccolo he doesn't want this to happen but he's trying to do what's right in the moment and trying to make the right decision it is in my opinion so much better than the way that they wrote it in kai like i did not like the way it was handled in kai compared to that well now that i've heard that yeah the that's way better and it's I mean, this is something that Kai's done a few times where when you have a moment where you need to slow things down and really embrace that moment and let the emotion kind of run its course. I mean, I agree this like knowing that all that was on the table. I would have loved that. Like, let's let's add a little bit. Make Kai as a whole one episode longer and just add a little bit more time to all these moments where the gravity really needs to be there. Because, yeah, I I know it's an emotional thing, but I didn't really feel it as much as what you just said. I mean, you just reading those lines just invoked emotion out of me. It's it's so good. Like I and I vividly remembered that watching that scene as a child. And then when I watched the scene, they have the same scene, like they have the same amount of time. But the, the dialogue has changed. Gohan's basically just expressing like, I want to go help Piccolo. And uh, Popo is just like. You know, this is this is the best course of action um but there's no like there's no gohan verbally attacking his father for turning his back on piccolo and there's no emphasis of the fact that this is hurting goku too there's no emotional weight behind the dialogue which it 
bothers me because it was so good in the original. Well, that and it's also, I mean, you just talked about this, that that's also a scene that would have really shown Goku's um, maturity too. The fact yes. that he's not the kid that's going to go rush off like he would would have when he, he was younger. Now he's older and he's more mature and he's got those emotions under control and he's making, you know, adult decisions. And we're kind of robbed of, of that. That's another character building moment for both Goku and Gohan that was kind of snubbed a little bit. Yeah, I when I watch when I went back and watched the other one, I was like, that is phenomenal. I there are points where they have improved the dialogue drastically in Kai. This is one of the points where they drastically took a nosedive for the writing on that scene. We're missing content and we're missing context. Yeah, absolutely. We don't get the emotions behind the actions. So all that really happens at the end of this episode is the androids just kind of looking on at Cell and realizing that that dude's a monster and there's not much we can do. And that brings us in episode 75, which is Unmeasured Power. The silent warrior number 16 makes his move. And we see Android 17 going on the attack again, charging the green menacing monster. And even with all of his fury, it's just, it's not even a fight. Um, Cell repeatedly just strikes heavy blow after heavy blow and 17 is eventually left just gasping in pain on the ground. And this is where 18 finally decides that I'm gonna get the hell out of here. Yeah. And as she does, so she's having a dialogue with 16 who says you should get out of here because you're the one that sells after I'm going to stay and I'm going to take care of Cell. which if you don't have like the the future knowledge that we have and you hear 16 say this you're like wait what because think of all the context we have for 16 right now right everyone refers to him as an older model exactly exactly i mean 16 cannot canonically or chronologically numerically numerically, that's the (laughs) word is before 17 18 right uh but yeah so he's an older model you assume he's weaker we're about to find out that is not the case. Yeah. Uh, 16 dives into battle, actually saving 17 from certain absorption and begins dueling cell who, yeah, they, it appears that they're kind of on equal footing. And after a couple of brief exchanges, um, it seems like he's actually on better footing and he's actually able to down cell and even rip his goddamn tail off, man. This fight. This is an okay fight. It's mediocre. There are a couple of moments, though, that I love so much, like the rocket punch. (laughs) Can I say that this is actually like this is actually one of the better uses of music in in Kai right now? The music here is actually pretty bomb. It's kind of like menacing and catchy at the same time. It just works. You know what? It's funny because I didn't notice that, but I didn't notice it being bad here. So it must have been solid. I don't know if it's an original score or not, but it just it fits the scene where it just I mean, it's got movement to it and it's a little bit menacing, but it's also fun at the same time. Like, I I don't know, man, it's whatever the music choice was. If it's the original, awesome. If it's if they substituted something new in there, then they did a great job. Either way, two thumbs up for the music right here. Yeah, I think all the music in Kai is is new or substituted. So, I mean, good on them for getting it right on this one. Uh, I'm glad that you... <laughs> I, I just wanted to comment on that. But you're right. Uh, Cell powers up. 
begins overpowering 16 until 16 hits him with a surprise rocket fist that nails Cell in the face, then follows it up with a rad as hell power slam into the ground, then takes his damn arms off and fires his hell flash cannon, I believe is what it was called. I think that's what it's called. I always get the name of this one wrong. I think it's Hell Flash Cannon. Uh, Hell Flash Fire? It, I, it was something like that. It might be Fire. Um, I think in the past, they've only really said the name of this one in the video games. I don't think he says the name of it in the original uh, dub. Either and way, the, it's the Hell Flash Fire is just this colossal key blast from the stumps where his hand should be. And the entire round just begins erupting with key. It's It's super fun. It's cool. And I, I mean, there's again, there's this is a sort of moment where you're like, you know, is is Sal destroyed? Is he defeated? Uh, some of the other people are even like like 18 is and 17 are both like, oh, 16, you've got this fight in the bag. And 16 is like, no, you guys got to get out of here. And they're like, nah, dude, you just beat his ass like we'll children. be fine. They're children. That's what they are. And <laughs> they're acting like children. Yeah, absolutely. And because they're acting like children, we get the very creepy, ominous moment of Cell creeping up behind 18 and then lashing onto him with his tail. Uh, this this being very different than any time that we've seen Cell absorb somebody with his tail, his tail opens up wide like the shape of a bell and encompasses his entire upper body, uh, the entire upper body of 17, and then sucks him up inside the tail. Yeah, and with 17 sucked down, we see him begin pulsating with, like, these white outlines, and we see his form kind of start reconfiguring as he kind of becomes a little bit more dense and thicker, and some of his more alien-like features become more human-like, you know, such as lips. And we're left with this kind of less bug-like, more human-like reborn form of cell that's just pulsating with electricity. And it's at this point that Android 16 and 18 attempt to run, but um, this new form of cell is very, very fast. Yeah, the this new form, this semi-perfect form, if you will, darts in front of the androids, uh, cutting off their escape, and quickly dispatches 16 16 basically punches this new cell square in the face and cell doesn't even budge an inch uh following up this punch with his own key blast that blasts a hole taking a full chunk out of the corner of 16's head yeah and 16's down for the punch and at this point Cell's marching towards his prey, his his final piece, and it's looking like everything's about to end. That is until we see the familiar face of Tien floating overhead, and even Cell kind of looks up like, what, what the hell are you going to do? And this is where Tien puts his hands together and launches the all-too-familiar tri-beam attack, slamming into Cell hard, pushing him down into the ground, cratering him into the earth. I'm not going to lie. Dragon Ball Z abridged has ruined this moment for me in oh, the original no. or in Kai. And, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Dragon Ball Z abridged just did this moment way better than any other rendition I've seen. 
Oh, I mean, it's they did do it really well. They didn't do bad here, though. We get Tien screaming at the other androids to flee while he holds Cell at bay, and he puts his hands together and just keeps firing blast after blast. Yeah, I mean, this is a super cool moment. I, this is, I mean, this is Tien's like last cool moment, basically. This is the um, only cool moment in Z. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, man, there's a part of me that is like, wants to argue the fact that this makes no fucking sense that TN could even push Cell down, even even with his Neo Tri-Beam attack, like his strongest ability. Uh, but I'm perfectly okay with throwing logic out the window for TN to get this awesome moment. <laughs> yeah, I it's give him something. Give the guy a bone. Because, I mean... He did train with like King Kai and stuff like that for who knows how long um, after he was killed by the Saiyan. So he, it's not like he wasn't training and he wasn't getting stronger. But I mean, we all know that he's, I don't know, because of biology, he's never going to be relevant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, we didn't even get to really see outside of a little bit of filler of Tien fighting the Ginyu Force. We didn't really get to see, uh, and that's not even in Kai, we didn't get to see any... Um, any any fruits of his labor and any sort of value come from his training on King Kai's outside of this moment. So yeah, just, it, I'll just give it to the guy. I mean, and we're going to find out real quick because this goes, it spills over in episode 76, which is Tian Shinhan's do or die. Shin Kiko Ho, save your brother in arms, son Goku. That is a mouthful of a name. Um, yeah. But episode 76, and we see Tien firing attack after attack, repeatedly striking Cell and halting his movement. Android 16 takes one look back. And I like that 16 kind of looks back and he almost like appreciates Tien for a moment, right? It's this kind of, you know, like maybe saying thank you without even saying anything at all. I don't know how to describe it, but it's kind of this appreciative moment before him and 18 make their leave. And eventually Tien's body does give out and we see him kind of tumble to the ground and Cell rises from his crater. I mean, not even a bruise on his body, right? This was doing nothing but pretty much annoying him. Yeah. And I want to touch on it because we kind of glossed over it. Uh, but what you described with 16 as him giving some sort of look of appreciation towards Tien, I think it's right before 16 goes to fight Cell. Uh, 16 basically tells 18, this is, this is final. This is my opportunity to fight. Like I, I need to postpone my desire to kill Goku, but I've really enjoyed spending time with you, like referring to 18 and 17. I think that you two are good people. And I think that there are good people in this world and that it's worth fighting for. And that is that kind of encompasses 16's character as a whole. And I really love that about his character because that is kind of like it's shown in him giving Tien this look of appreciation. 16 loves life like 16 tried to protect these birds when Piccolo and 17 were fighting. Uh, and so he now has these friends in 17 and 18 and he wants to protect them. Yeah, and it's, it's, 16 is very different from 17 and 18 because 16 is fully synthetic. 
he's a full robot where 17 and 18 had, I guess you could say human um, cores or human starting points. Right. 16 is, and even with this fight with um, uh, Imperfect Cell, there's a point where he gets like stabbed in the neck with um, Cell's, you know, sucker tail. And he's not able to absorb any energy because 16 is fully synthetic. He even says it. So right. whereas 17 and 18, they kind of learn the opposite. They learn to be kind of wrathful towards the world, kind of angry towards Juro and their captivity. 16 got out into the world and learned to appreciate it. So you get two different, I guess, storylines for two different types of Android. Yeah, I, you kind of brought to light this parallel between them for me as well that is kind of adding to that in that 16 was granted life by Dr. Giroux and comes into the world learning to appreciate life, whereas 17 and 18 in many ways were their lives were taken away or at least their lives were they they lost their freedom uh and so because of that and because of what the world had done to them they learned to resent it i think um kind of rewatching it through i don't think i really appreciated android 16 my first watch through um I kind of appreciate him a little bit more in the second watch through. Well, he's not my favorite character or anything, but he's better written than I had given him credit for. I genuinely enjoy him as a character. And I, I think especially on a, a second watch, you can better appreciate what happens with 16 towards the end of this arc. Um, so there's, well, we'll talk about it when we get to that point, but there's some stuff that, feels a little weird if you don't really dive deep into his character mm -hmm. oh yeah but with 16 and 18 flying off tn lying on the ground pretty much all of his energy sapped from him cell rises up above him like a wrathful god and he is pissed and he begins just abusing tn just kicking him while he's down and just torturing him and he's building up to basically executing the defenseless tn and this is where Goku decides to arrive on scene with his instant transmission. And Cell's kind of taken aback because he, he does not have any idea what this teleportation move is. Yeah. And as we've already seen, Cell has Goku's DNA. Cell has all of Goku's abilities supposedly he even expresses at one point that he has access to the spirit bomb and the kaioken which there's a lot of implications behind that that i think are very interesting but it results in the fact that he does not have access to instant transmission nor does he know what it is and so goku basically comes in saying i think we both know if we fought right now you would defeat me i would not be able to hang in that fight but if you give me just one day, I'm going to put you in a hole. <laughs> Which is fun. Even Cell hears this and he thinks, what, what, you can't beat me now, but one day you will? What the, what the heck does that mean? And Cell actually starts laughing at him. And while Cell's laughing at him, uh, Goku realizes that he still senses the faint energy of Piccolo and finds his, well, not completely lifeless body just hanging out on the shoreline and teleports with Tien over to him and collects his near-dead friends, and then 
teleports the hell out of there back to the lookout. It's kind of funny because you can actually see, uh, you get a shot of Piccolo's back. You can see the hole through his gi, but you can see that his his body underneath the gi is, there's not a hole in his, his torso at all. And so we never actually get to see this on screen, but there's some implication here that Namekians can regrow more than just their limbs and can potentially regrow organs and more than that, which adds some you say credence. some implication. <laughs> we'll see I how mean, far it, the implication goes, depending on what, what you're drawing that from. That's what I mean, is it adds some credence to what happens with Cell later on. <laughs> all right, all right, yeah. I So, okay, I... I don't like that Piccolo didn't die here. Because I feel like he should have because of the... We had the emotional response to him dying. And I don't like when you keep going back to that well over and over again. I mean, Super gets silly with it, but... I mean... I don't see why he shouldn't have died here. I don't think anything changes either way, right? Like, it doesn't have any impact on the Dragon Balls. We're already without Dragon Balls because Kami's gone. That's uh, true. Piccolo's not tied to them at the moment. Uh, if if Piccolo died, Piccolo doesn't do spoilers, but Piccolo doesn't do anything else hardly at all in this arc. Um, For so me, yeah, it's uh, more it's more perception. It's more how seriously I treat the bad guy. Um, if everyone fights the bad guy, no one dies from him that, you know, I don't, I don't perceive him as big of a threat and I get that it's Dragon Ball and you kind of know who the hero is going to be most of the time, but I don't know. I, when, when the big bad guy actually kills somebody, you know, and appreciate it makes me dislike them and it makes me more emotionally invested in their defeat right now. I don't have that much emotional investment in cell, right? Yeah, I and I, I I think I'm okay with Piccolo living here, but I I agree with you though. Like what kind of what my point is that I don't think they're losing anything by killing Piccolo here. Uh the only thing they would basically have to use the Namekian Dragon Balls to bring Piccolo back. That's I about mean, the only complication. It's, it's fine just because the <sighs> The situ, it, it's whatever. Like, it's not like it's a worse story because Piccolo didn't die. But I think it would have made my perception of Cell that much more serious if if Cell was dropping bodies, right? If he's yeah. you know the next big bad guy because this is this is after the events with Frieza. I is this supposed to be the next biggest threat? He's stronger than Frieza, but so far, I mean, he's just sucked down half a planet. Yeah, it's a weird thing because he's. He's probably killed more people arguably on screen than Frieza has. Um, but they're not they're not people who are significant to us, right? They're mm-hmm. they're not people that we as the audience care about. They're they're no names. We barely get to see them. Uh so yeah, I, I agree with you. Like having him kill somebody that we care about would make us hate him even more. Yeah, it's the it's the what no, he's not dead. He's actually okay. Oh. Okay. <laughs> like I don't know. It's I I don't necessarily like that that well actually storytelling mechanism, but either way, I'll get off it. It cuz it doesn't really matter. Um 
the everyone makes it out okay. Cell doesn't kill anybody. Um, it's at this point that Krillin actually runs into Balma. He gets hooked up with the shutoff switch, and then um, Balma's gonna go up to the lookout and drop off some goddamn nifty new Saiyan battle armor that she's been whipping up. Which you can't you can't fight a big baddie without your Saiyan battle armor. Goddamn right. Also, just a quick detail, but it's interesting to me, and I don't know if what it was originally in the manga, the original Funimation dub, the controller that Bama creates is to detonate, like I explode. Thought so. Yeah, it, it's to explode the androids. Uh, in this version, it's to shut them off, deactivate them. What's, I guess it uh, maybe is that what's what's lore accurate? What's uh. What's the mangy dingy say? I'm honestly not sure which one is in the manga. I think it is deactivate them, which is why they changed it. Um, but we do still, which which makes more sense, right? Because Dr. Zero had the remote to deactivate them. But we also find out, like Android 18 says uh, to semi-perfect cell, don't come any closer or I'll self-destruct. Uh, so we know that they still have the bombs inside of them. So everything's basically the same okay all right it's it's a difference without really much of a meaning got it right all right i thought so that seat i knew i had that rattling in my head somewhere so i'm glad you cleared that up um so trucks and vegeta uh finally emerge from the chamber and we get some cool saiyan biology facts here like um uh trunks's hair grows because he's part human but vegeta's hair uh stays the same because he's a true saiyan yeah, this is great. I love this. <laughs> this has to be just because they were like, meh. <laughs> like, we've always animated Goku with the same hair his whole life and everyone else, screw it. Their hair doesn't grow. It's fine. I mean, there's also something to be said. It might be filler, but Vegeta, when he's animated as a kid, has bangs in front of his forehead. So, like, did his hair change or did he just start, like, combing it differently or oh, what? I don't know. Um... <laughs> Stop introducing facts that you have to abide by, but don't matter. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, the Bulma arrives with the battle armor. Most of them throw it on, but like Piccolo and Tien are like, uh, no, we're not putting on dirty ass Saiyan armor. Like, screw that. We hate, we basically hate you guys. I love that. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, it is fun. I mean, it's in character. Once again, it's the in line with what I think those characters would do. I mean, look at TN's experience with them. He probably despises them. Yeah, absolutely. And there is a, a moment where Trunks basically says uh, that Vegeta learned to surpass Super Saiyan two months in. And then Vegeta's like, you've said enough. That's all they need to know. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean. Vegeta doesn't want all of his secrets getting out right away, right? And also, I doubt he wants Goku to know the bar that he has to reach, right? Like, that's that's part of the fun. Yeah, absolutely. And this kind of cuts over to, uh, I mean, Vegeta basically heads out with Trunks to go after Cell. With a couple and of we, sensu beans. With a couple of sensu beans, that's important. Uh, we cut over to Cell tracking the androids finding that they've they have to be on this cluster of islands and Sal yells out 18 come out otherwise i'm going to destroy all of these islands and you along with it, it, it it's a bluff but it's a good bluff yeah and even 18 is kind of like oh should i come out and 16 has to keep like kind of calming 18 and and telling her like hey he only has one 
focus right now, and that's achieving his perfect form. There's no way he would screw that up. And so we, I mean, 16 says it's a bluff, but at the end of this episode, the key bombs start dropping, and islands are about to start getting nuked. As we go into episode 77, Super Saiyan Surpassed, the daring Vegeta strikes Cell. And changing gears away from Cell for a moment, uh, Goku and Gohan enter the hyperbolic time chamber. And I love this little scene because I love how it gives color to this kind of mysterious, weird place, right? It's Mm -hmm. how do you describe the hyperbolic time chamber? I think they did a fantastic job here. Gohan enters and he's never been in here, right? And he comments on how uncomfortable he feels just entering like it's everything is just really bright and his body feels heavy and it's kind of hard to breathe. And when Goku shows him like the infinite expanse of it, he's just like taken aback by it. It's it's this wild experience. Yeah, uh, it, the I mean, the gravity is 10 times, which Gohan hasn't done any gravity training before. It's I mean, just trying to wrap your brain around being inside an infinite expanse of nothingness is wild. But Goku basically tells Gohan the plan. We're going to train. I'm going to get you Super Saiyan. And then you're going to help me. And we're going to surpass Super Saiyan. But when we're done with this, you are going to be stronger than me. Yeah. I One thing I do like, though, is when Gohan goes to take like his first step down from the platform they enter in on, Gohan actually falls and kind of stumbles to his knees. And Goku brings up a really astute point here that he's like, oh, like you haven't trained in additional gravity before. It takes some getting used to. And I like that kind of, you know, like, oh, yeah, a lot of people have done it at this point. At least we've seen a few people do it. But Gohan's not been one of them. Yeah. And Gohan does stand up like he's strong. He's strong enough to do it. It's just he's not accustomed to it. Yeah. I mean, it's. I'm just imagine if your body weighed 10 times more, you're used to walk in a certain way. Well, suddenly you got to walk differently. Yeah, absolutely. And we kind of push forward as cell, uh, is destroying pretty much. He destroys all of the islands except for one. And he moves forward like, well, this has to be the last one. Yeah. And of course I, I like the way that they set this up, um, where, uh, <laughs> He kill he blows up every island except for the last one. And that just so happens to be where 18's hiding out at, and we're getting this big buildup. And even he's like, yep, they have to be here. But things are cut short when um Vegeta shows up on scene. And Vegeta's ego dick is colossal in this situation. Oh, I fucking love it. This is <laughs> I mean, I've been I've been you know barking about how I love Goku in the Cell Saga. This is peak form Vegeta for me. I love this. As Vegeta comes on the scene, full on Super Saiyan form, uh, Trunks not in Super Saiyan following quickly behind him, but Vegeta just starts talking smack. And, you know, 18 is like, what is Vegeta going to do? I whooped his ass and I can't lay a finger on Cell. And 16 basically gives us, the audience, and 18, the insight that Vegeta is not the same. As they quickly begin this fight, Vegeta p- 
powering up, his muscles bulging up in a, a form that kind of we've never seen before. Uh, Vegeta darts forward in this new form, laying a heavy blow into Cell's stomach before Cell can even register what happens. Yeah, and Cell's kind of in pain and in shock after this first blow, and it's followed up by an uppercut and then this colossal slam into the ground. So these are just big, meaty just attacks and blows landing on Cell. And Cell, you know... He, uh, he tries to push his own attack onto Vegeta and we see Vegeta kind of lean back, kind of, I guess, chilling with his arms folded as he's just smirking, dodging each and every attack that Cell tries to land. Like, I mean, Vegeta's just, it's all about him right now. And <laughs> Trunks is just watching. Yeah, I mean, Vegeta's largely being super casual. Uh, there's a moment where he like, executes a flurry of blows that just leave dents inside of Cell's body. Uh, Cell at one point does land a bit of a tricky blow with a key blast faint on Vegeta, but Vegeta recovers very quickly. Um, and then Cell even tries a, like a larger key blast against Vegeta. None of it seems to work. Vegeta is in every way outclassing Cell and we kind of pretty much come to a close on the episode with Cell finally landing a solid punch on Vegeta right in the face, drawing a little bit of blood. And again, Vegeta is just like, that's all you've got. You're dealing with super Vegeta now. You are toast. Yeah. And it's the realization that is on Cell's face at the end of this episode when he realizes that He's kind of screwed. He's dumped everything into, uh, I mean, just trying to land a blow on Vegeta. When he finally does, nothing happens. I mean, the one scene where, like you said, when Cell had all the dents in him, I love that defensive posture that Cell was in where his, his body's kind of scrunched up and his arms are blocking his chest and his legs are together and his tail's actually wrapped around his body, just trying to protect himself from the absolute onslaught that Vegeta's putting on him. and. It's this isn't a fight. This is a beatdown, and it's about Vegeta and all those boxes are checked very well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Vegeta. I mean, Vegeta is at his best when he's like excessively on top or when he's like excessively outclassed. Those are like two peak Vegeta moments. And, and this is him fully on top of his game. Uh, oh, yeah, it's, he's it's, just playing with his food right now. Yeah, it, it's cool to see him uh, see the basically see the peak of, you know, his training and how Trunks and he progressed. Um, and this is, you know, we're, we're going to get to see that in the following episode. We kind of cut it here because the cell arc is lengthy. Uh, it is. So we'll kind of we'll dive into the rest of the Vegeta and cell fight. One uh, thing I want to point out too, is um, there are some decent storytelling techniques here. When Vegeta does his big power up, um, we see his body kind of expanding and bulking. And we also see a lot of arcs of electricity firing off mm. from him as he kind of achieves this, this beyond super Saiyan form that he's been talking about. And these are good, I guess, storytelling crumbs that actually play a role later on down the line. So I like that they included some of that here. 
that's a good that's a good uh attention to detail on on your part uh i i like that they they add stuff like that um even even the the increase in muscle size is something that's going to be significant uh in the coming episodes and will will add something to the story too so all of that just visual storytelling is really well done but overall what do you think about the the first half of the uh the cell arc so and we're we're actually going to end up having to cut this into three parts uh because it's so lengthy but this this first part i like it uh the pacing is good they move through some stuff very quickly uh they don't waste any time like dallying with getting cell into the fight especially after he's first introduced and then after he powers up which took a long time in the original uh and he most of the action is really well done and cut concisely there's just like a few pieces of dialogue that got changed or that were left in here that i was like that is not good or that is not as good as the original dub so i wish they had not touched those yeah especially the the gohan responding to piccolo's death i i agree that was a major loss um for me i re-experiencing the intro your first introduction to cell is just so fantastic that creepy town piccolo walking through just the quiet streets with the wind blowing i love how alien cell actually feels um there's the the android 17 and 18 and 16 actually have a little bit more character than i remember i'm still kind of taken back by um 18 having a different voice actress that still throws me off a little bit but um and it's good it's very good i love the introduction of cell i i'm looking forward to see if my memory is as accurate as I think it is going forward, because that's what this is really testing me on. Some things definitely are better than I remember. Some things are worse. Um, oddly enough, a lot of the more periphery things are better than I remember. Like the, <laughs> um, like 16, just being a little bit, bit of a better character than I had recalled. He has better lines and progression. Um, the Piccolo versus 17 fight was way better than I remember. Like that was actually a lot of fun. So I don't know. I'm the things that aren't great are still probably better than 90 million episodes of filler and the things that are good are still good, but you're right. They could clean up a couple of things, but otherwise fantastic so far. Yeah. It's a, it's a good overall way to experience Dragon Ball Z. I wish that there were a, a few changes and differences here and there, but in general, it's been a very, very fun watch and fun to see, like you said, fun to kind of refresh our memories and see what, we remember as being good or bad or otherwise, but this it's, you know, overall I give it a B plus a minus so far. <laughs> hey, save that. We got special episodes dedicated to the hard rankings. That's true. That's true. With that, I think we're coming up to the end of our time here. So Dayton, did you have anything else you wanted to discuss? Hell no. Cell's creepy and I love him. <laughs> yeah. Great intro for cell, but I think that's going to be it for this episode of Instant Transmission, where we discuss everything Dragon Ball. This has been your host, Todd. And Dayton. Be sure to join us next time as we final flash our way into a perfect victory Ooh. in part two of the Cell arc. Goku's going to get Gohan Super Saiyan. But why? Cell may have reached his semi-perfect form, but it seems like Super Vegeta has his foot planted firmly between Cell's cheeks. Will Cell be able to reach his perfect form? Will Krillin deactivate Android 18 and save the day? 
How could Vegeta possibly fuck this up? Find out a next time. And to all our fellow Dragon Ball fans, stay safe out there and remember to keep rocking the dragon. And don't forget to check out our Patreon and Twitter. I forget where they're at, but go ahead and check them out.